welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters have been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by Tony. I will be king, and you, you will be queen, though nothing will drive them away. We can be heroes just for one day. But that was a great song. We can be heroes when we play superhero role-playing games, which is what we're here to talk about today. This episode is going to be about superhero role-playing games. We've been playing this, you know, Marvel superhero role-playing game from the, what, the 80s, the 90s? Yeah. 80s. Yeah, 80s into 90s. Yeah. And the guy, you know, we've all really gotten into it because this has gone from one campaign to now three different DMs running superhero campaigns. It's really taken off among us. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into how the campaigns are going, how it's different from fantasy role playing, what you want to achieve in a superhero campaign. But first. That's right. We are here to introduce our first ever sponsor, Capes and Crooks by Crit Academy. Capes Woo! and Crooks is a superhero RPG built on and fully compatible with D&D 5e using the open source SRD. So the system reference documents that you can use to plug some of those mechanics into your game. So Capes and Crooks lets you bring superhero role-playing to any group that knows the 5e mechanics, but it takes those rules and adapts them to create a really cool system for creating superheroes in a unique world they've created. Capes and Crooks is about to launch on Kickstarter, and we hope you'll check it out visit critacademy.com slash capes and crooks for more information now the crit academy guys have been great with us so we're really happy to be able to tell promote that on the show we think it's a neat system definitely go check out their kickstarter capes and crooks capes and crooks can't wait for it to come out we're gonna have to get into that i think it could easily be uh we could easily i it almost makes me feel like you could do like a little one shot in your fantasy game where the you step through a portal and now all your your characters, you know, your cleric and your bard are now have to be superheroes. You know, they they, they walk into like 80s Manhattan and there's like Spider-Man and shit. <laughs> And the cool thing is, I mean, we're not going to get into a full review today, but the cool thing is that it does overcome the problem of having to learn a new role a new role playing game to play superheroes. Yeah. You know, that's the cool thing about building something on the 5e rule set is now, okay, you can play this game, this superhero role-playing game, and do it in with the 5e rules that your group probably already knows. Because we know, as we started this experiment with the Marvel superhero role-playing game, one thing we'll get into is it did have a learning curve to pick up this dead TSR system and try to remember <laughs> to learn how to play it. This was not a jump-in-and-play kind of thing, which a 5e system would be. So that is one of the advantages of Capes and Crooks. Definitely check it out. And now let, let's get into the experiences we've had. Guys, you know, we started this Marvel superhero role-playing game and Tony, you had called this what your this is like your white whale of a game you always wanted to play. That's right, because that was in Dragon Magazine, because this system, this old one, is really like a cousin of Dungeons and Dragons. It was made by TSR, it appeared in the magazines, and you'd be looking through there about like whatever spells or what elements you was doing, and then there's a write-up of Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four, and you're like, wow, they actually, what really impressed me about that at the time was all of these characters, these hundreds of different uh, superheroes, all have been statted out, and their powers have been quantified. So you could really see who's stronger, who's more, who could do what, and that mm. was really neat. But it was a D100 system, and I never had a chance to play it 
back in its heyday. I mean, saying that it was a cousin of D&D is, I feel like it's a stretch because it feels nothing like any D&D. Like it's, it's a D100 system that uses a results table based on your ability and that skill. It was, it was a really different thing to try to learn how to make characters in. I mean, in the respect, it was made by the same people. Yes. The yes. System, yeah, the system is wildly different. But yeah, Tony is correct. It is a cousin to D&D because it was made by TSR in the 80s. And when you read like the Advanced Players book or anything like that, it reads like an old TSR product where it has like weird, like it's wildly crunchy, just like old TSR systems are, but also incredibly liberal as to how you can interpret those rules, especially with like the powers and their idea of, as we've talked about, power stunts, you know, which I always thought was a cool mechanic for it. It is a neat mechanic. I think, you know, let's let's really kind of start at kind of a higher level, though. So, you know, I'm more of a fantasy guy. Like, I, I, I really love the fantasy role-playing. I have enjoyed our superhero role-playing. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm having a great time. I do not have that urge to get up in DM superhero role-playing. Once, as I said, Dave's brother Chris started the campaign, and then Dave and Tony have both jumped in to DM their own campaigns within the system. Like, it's just, it's like infectious. Like, what is it that brings you guys, that makes you guys want to do a superhero <laughs> role-playing game? Well, it, there is a lot of background material it, mm-hmm. to the point where it, it's mind-numbing. I always said this about why some movies I found really confusing to me when they t- they try to take three plots and jam them together. On any given one of these uh, properties, there's 40 years of material that was, mm-hmm. was wildly successful. Why don't you take one of those stories and run with it? And then you can even run them in order going forward, like start with the first, grab another one, grab another one, and and there it is. And so some kind of crazy mismatch. So we have a couple of websites that we uh, look at for reference material. There is literally hundred, like every character imaginable is available. So if you ever had favorite characters, villains from any genre, like the X-Men or, Mar- or Marvel's Avengers or anything along those lines, it's all out there. Like comic books I've read it like 20 years ago. It's like, oh, we can use these guys. And it's like there. DC, there's like DC stuff out there too, right? It's not just Marvel. Like, because you can import any character into a superhero system once you start it. It's it's already done. Like yeah. all that information exists in its entirety for at your disposal. Yeah. It's quite incredible. And I, I would say, Thorne, you had said it's kind of like this dead TSR product, right? But I would actually say it's kind of like an undead product because <laughs> it has such an incredibly loyal fan base that has continued on. There's a whole group out there on Facebook that is that are still creating source books for this stuff, that are still creating modules for this stuff, that are still creating all of this. It's, it's crazy. And they're putting it out in seriously high level um like it looks just like the stuff that tsr put out, but yeah there's something about it the, the infectiousness is probably partly for me because i started playing it as a kid so there is that the same way when i see the old artwork and stuff for the the player's handbook with uh ringle run on the cover for ad and and those types of things where there's this feeling you get or we talked about like the mold bay box you see this artwork and you're just like there's something that comes over you so marvel has that in a way and it was just so different the way they named all of the different power ranks and attributes you know remarkable and unearthly and incredible and amazing and and just the ability to play like tony was saying in this massive world that you got you only read through panels of a comic book and now see on the big screen right but yeah i think it's that and then now we're playing with this idea 
uh, between the three of us of this our own Marvel universe that we're starting to build out on as each of us starts to take a game or two, you know, or a session or two and start to build out our own stories. So what is it, I mean, just about superhero role-playing, though? Like, like, how do you feel that's different from fantasy or sci-fi? Like, how does it feel different to be playing and DMing in this world? It's enormously different. So, for example, if you start out a character in D&D, you generally, even if it's a pre-gen, even if you pre-gen a higher-level character, you generally know what you're getting. You, you, you have uh, your level system, class abilities. You have a general idea of what's fair, a character that level should have in terms of magical items, wealth. You could kick all those things out around relative to your system. We started it in Chris's game with 600 character points, which is, in that system, is like you drank from the Holy Grail, honest to God, and then tripped over Excalibur. You have really the freedom to do whatever you want with this character. The list of powers is beyond extensive. I mean, I really, go find me a power that's not on that list. Please, let me see it. <laughs> you, you can't do it. The skills, the options, or the races, it's all extraordinarily comprehensive in how everything works. So you really can create, if you've ever been kicking around making a custom superhero from your imagination, like if you're looking at the Marvel Universe and we're looking at all these movies, and you're like, hey, wow, I wish, you know, I was in there, I had my character is in there, now is your chance. Yeah, I would say we talk a lot, especially with 5e, it's that idea of the toy chest, you know, and the leveling up. And, the you know, you start at first level in your week and, you, you know, and you, you muscle your way up and then you get all of these abilities and powers and you become, we talk about, we, you become superheroes in essence in the fantasy world. But it's much more of that that concept of this leveling system where you don't have that in a, a system like the face rip, the Marvel system. Or I would say similarly, Call of Cthulhu, same way. True. So yeah. if we took the Call of Cthulhu system, where it shines is the mysteries, is the investigations, is the, the lore and the storytelling and the role playing that you're creating as opposed to my professor becomes this amazingly powerful being and becomes the god of archaeology. No, he probably is going to go insane pretty shortly, right? But it's the building of that story. And in the same way with like a Marvel system or other superhero systems, it's less about leveling these characters and more about bringing a, a full concept of a hero and playing in this world and about the story and about the mysteries and about the, the machinations of the villains and all of that and the contacts you build and meeting Nick Fury or whatever it might be, right? <laughs> More about the stories and the and, and the characters you meet in the system. Yeah, and, and a, a little less about the specific encounters necessarily. Because as we've seen, like Tony's one character, the Taurine Tornado, right? It literally can one punch out most of these motherfuckers that we meet. Just like, okay, I hit him three times. Okay, well, the encounter's done. Cool. All right. <laughs> we are superheroes, like straight up, like in the comics, right? Yeah, and I will say, like, we are, I mean, I figured part of it was because we started at cosmic level, which is a 600 point point build, which is almost like saying you're starting your D&D character at like level 15. Yeah. You know, you're really, it's, it's basically starting off. In right the about there, yeah. Except for in Marvel, you don't level up by gaining 
you can gain character points, but it's very slow. So your Marvel is more like you start at like 100 or 200 or 300 points. Like 100, what is it? A 100 point character as well, like a Daredevil. No, uh, Daredevil is actually plus like three, tell you the truth, yeah. So you come out with like a, but, but you come in with that kind of character and you have a certain kind of skill set you're playing with and you can build stunts of, okay, how do I use these powers, right? You can, maybe your character has the ability to manipulate fire or to manipulate sound or they're really tough or they punch really hard. And then you start building power stunts out of that stuff as far as, okay, so now I want to use my super strength to pick up and throw cars at people. Or I want to use my martial arts to be able to knock someone out in one punch. You start building kind of power stunts that let you expand what the character can do, but it's not really like you're not leveling up to a huge degree. It's more that you're developing, you're kind of playing this character through the character story more than building up to an end point like you do in some other games. Yeah, you're definitely front-loaded in this system. Yeah, that that's absolutely for sure. One difference that uh, actually I'm very curious to see how Capes and Crooks feels this is in 5e, and I've mentioned this numerous times. I'm not thrilled about how they handle superhuman levels of strength because you have fire giant strength, for example. Can I lift a car? Maybe. I mean, you're like, <laughs> you're just throwing it. <laughs> I mean, you have superhuman strength in Marvel. I'm chucking a car through a 15 story window. It's a completely different equation. It also depends on the yeah. car. Before the first yeah, you would have to have like a level. You'd have to have like a strength of forty or something to be like like you know like Luke Cage or something, right? To be lifted like that. And and that was always one of the biggest. And there's lots of superhero systems out there. I mean, there was a whole DC system, the Meg system that was out there. Uh, I played that for a little bit as a kid, but very very different. But the Marvel system, the face rip, is the one that has kind of lasted the longest. So it's kind of what if people are talking about superhero role playing games, it's the one they are always going to compare stuff to. I mean, but it's not lasted commercially. It's lasted online the longest commercially. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But it, it but to still have a, an active fan base, you know what I mean. But it was the both its greatest strength and its greatest weakness because it did what it set out to do, which was to, in essence, encapsulate what the comic world looked and felt like. And it does that. But what the comic world looks and so you can, you know, grant the thing can grand slam somebody, pull a, a telephone pole out of the ground and knock the fixer 10 blocks in fucking Manhattan, right? Like just 10, like that's literally a roll that you can make, you know, if you hit <laughs> And that's awesome. And you can do that in game one, right? With your character. But how much did the thing really change in 50 years? How much did Spider-Man really change in 50 years or Daredevil or anyone? Not that much. And that was where you don't really have that leveling so you have to really be based on story and role play and things like that, or else you're not going to get that same level of toy chest, you know, because the power stunt system is awesome because it does recreate what they do in the comics. When Nightcrawler wants to, oh, it, he needs to bamf out because he's fallen out of the plane and he needs to catch this person and he's never done it before and somehow he does it. That's your power stunt system. And they made a system to kind of recreate that, but... It's a very slow idea of, quote, leveling, which can frustrate uh, certain players, I think. Yeah, I mean, because you basically have to do you have to do the stunt like, what, five times successfully before you can learn it as something you can just do. Uh, it depends on the judge, you know, <laughs> the DM, the judge. Right. So it depends on it, because I think traditionally it's actually 10 and it's of, of lesser That's and correct. lesser. Um, it gets easier lesser and lesser. Yeah, it becomes much easier. And then 
you then uh, have that power. For instance, like Storm, right? She has the ability to control weather, but all the stuff she does with it, you know, flying on the wind or calling lightning or making it rain, those are all power stunts. Yeah. So that was all stuff she developed, you know, as they did in the comics, in the danger room and fighting Mandito and going to the Savage Lands and all this other stuff. You know? I mean, for, for me, it's like I think of like I think of Iceman, and like everything Iceman, like so Iceman's superpower would be that he has cold manipulation or or, 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 or some oh, type yeah. of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And but, then he has to figure out how to do all this shit. Yeah. yeah. All this, you know, building ramps to surf on, encasing people in ice, all that stuff is power stunts. You got to learn as you play the game. Uh, I think some of it you get from the beginning, but it, it, that's kind of the way the game, you 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 open up new things you want them to be able to do with their powers through play. Which I will yeah. say, as a, a real, it's a it's not a full tangent, but I thought they did that so awesome in the X-Men movies with the Iceman character, Bobby Drake, where, like, he's kind of, like, just there as a kid and he can make snowballs and shit, but then he's fighting Pyro and he's like, you should have stayed in school. And he turns into the full Iceman, like, that's a baller <laughs> part. Like, I don't care what you say, right? It's, he's baller. That's yeah. it. That, that is the, he kept learning his power stunts. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. It's, it's a role-playing game that tells you, teaches you to stay in school. <laughs> that could be one message you get out of there, yes. I would say cinematically, what an enormous difference is if you're looking at combat. Even your high-level D&D characters, like, cinematically, what would it reference back to? Like, Lord of the Rings. So, like, Legolas doing some incredible, preposterous stuff. Like, he, I would say he's really, like, the high end of D D combat because I mean this guy's like firing Patriot arrows that turn corners <laughs> and you know go down the block and shoot people while surfing um, down the stairs on a shield through the orcs yeah yeah he's yeah. making those he's making those uh those checks I don't know what to say he's got hamstring a, a giant size Oli font with a, just a knife seems like the kind of thing the five E would allow oh, away he's He's put a ton of skill stuff into athletics and acrobatics. That's all. Yeah, but it only counts as one kill. That's the important takeaway here. With Marvel, it's more like it can escalate where you're having like a Superman versus General Zod fight. Where you have guys punching each other through buildings, flying around. Like if you look at that fight they did in the more recent movie where Superman's fighting the building, he fires his heat vision, he cuts half of the building down, it's falling apart, he punches him through another building, they're flying around. It's a different kind of like visual. Like where you like some of vast superhuman strength punches someone and they like, you know, knock them back into a car and that car slides into a building. Like those aren't the kind of things you have in D D where it's like, haha, my sword strike was masterful. Still cool. Yeah still effective but it's different so like so that's like a different cinematic style that comes down to i guess kind of how you describe it right so so we've talked a lot about the marvel superhero rpg this this older system from tsr from the 90s one of the things that's come up in past episodes that we haven't really touched on though is that this system's hard like it was really hard to learn i am a veteran dm 25 plus years 30 probably 30 years of of learning games and running games I'm the guy who usually picks up new games and gets to know them. And it took me forever to get a working understanding of how to make a character in this game. Like forever. I sat down and looked at this rule book and I couldn't follow it. That is the downside of the system. I think it is complicated. That is uh, a pretty accurate way to put it because I came across these rules probably a decade ago. I'm like, Oh, again, like from my childhood, like this is so neat here. It all is. I'd love to run a campaign in this. And my players like, great. How does it work? uncomfortable silence 
All right, well, <laughs> you see there's these D hundred that you're rolling for everything. Yeah. So do they get defense roll? Uh I don't think so. And then they're asking me how multiple attacks work and how initiative works, and it's not off your decks anymore. And healing's confusing. Yeah. It's as Dave would say, crunchy. Like a box of Captain Crunch with no milk. Yeah, except I think it's more like Lucky Charms because they're all different shapes and colors and sizes. And you got to wrap your head around each one before you can eat it. Yeah, and I mean, I came into this system kind of understanding it, or at least thinking I understood it, you know. And putting the character together first. Well, when I ran it for the one shot that I did, I realized some of the the difficulties, especially in explaining it. Now it becomes a little intuitive after you start doing it in a way, especially the way the roles work and things like that. But trying to explain it, it's, it is, it's like I said in the beginning, it's wildly crunchy, but then at the same point, way too open for interpretation, uh, which is awesome, but also makes for really hard to try to explain to somebody, how do you play much less, how do you run it? And, well, that's that is a downside. TSR. Yeah, yeah right. About second edition D&D. That is classic TSR. It's open-ended, yeah. and uh, you know, you're going to need to make some house rules to make it work. Everyone we know who played second edition and enjoyed it made the same sorts of house rules. Like, it was very common to go from playgroup to playgroup and have the same four or five house rules everyone used. But like I was saying, like, if you were trying to find a system that supports the fantasy that you're trying to create then that's awesome because there are systems out there that will support anything, but they also come oftentimes with a whole lot of learning. I mean, take it back to even 5e uh, with when I took a, some players, like I was saying, for the Frostmaiden campaign through character creation, and it's super streamlined. And I'm trying to explain to someone who literally has, they've never played d they don't even know what D&D is. They've never watched Lord of the Rings. They don't, like none of this, right? And I'm trying to explain even the attributes. So there's all of this additional stuff for when you're learning a new system. So uh, it, it makes it difficult. It's fun. Uh, and it's fun to find systems that support what you're trying to play. But it's, it's not easy if you're not sure that you necessarily want to play that one and invest all that time and become a rules master to play it once. Well, I think, you know, it's a very ambitious system. And that's part of what makes it so complicated. You know, you have you have kind of two axes that make it complicated. One is the resolution system. You roll a D100, but first you have a power stat. So say you want to make, say you want to shoot something. So you use your dex, your agility to aim. So you're going to make a roll. You're going to have an agility stat that's going to be anywhere from zero to 100 or higher. The higher is better. But what that stat reflects is the column on the table you roll against. So the higher your stat is on that table, the more good results you have. So the table will have for every stat, for every stat block, like like a like spread of like 10 or 20 numbers. It'll have what are misses, what are hits, what are stun hits, which are kind of like, like, you know, you know, very good hits. And then what are kind of kill hits, which are like crits, essentially. So you'll have white which are misses green yellow and red successes 
your green success is regular success. Yellow is a good, is like a better success. And the red is like a crit success. But as you go up, as your, as your skill goes higher, the span of those successes gets wider. So to the point where if you have like an unearthly skill, you roll a D100 and you're going to be successful in like a roll of like 20. So you're going to be successful 80% of the time and you're going to be, you know, you're going to crit like, I don't know, another like, like, like 10 to 20% of the time, depending on what you depending on how you roll. And then you have column shifts with different things you have that can take your skill and shift it up one, two or more columns. So you kind of have this matrixy system for resolution of you need to look up the column you're in, shift it over, find the right column, roll the D100, compare it to that. Every kind of role has different things. So if you're stabbing someone, the red's a kill. If you're punching someone, the red's not a kill. The red's only a stun. Like you kind of need to know specifically what it does for that power set you're looking at with the modifiers you're looking at. It is not simply roll a d20 and add a number to it and hit the target. Oh, but, but then again, if, the, if your villain is dodging but you also have a martial arts skill. Well, now you're shifting columns. Now you're Again, going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shifting columns. It, it could be more. like, you could shift columns like the pokey pokey. You put the left arm in, you take <laughs> the right arm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's that's as the, if the advantage-disadvantage system had no limit. It's as if, like, as many advantages well, and disadvantages you could get, it's, it's you a, add them all up. Kind it's of like there, a fifth-dimensional advantage and disadvantage system. There, yeah. there, there is a limit. Unfortunately, the sky is the limit on that. Yeah. Because you can't shift plas, past class 1,000. But class 1,000 is so preposterous. It, like, like a, a class 1,000 energy source would be a small star. Right. Yeah. So right. you it's like can't shift in that. Song. There's the star killer so, base plan right there. <laughs> there we go. Stick your your uh, extension cord to that uh, technocrat and blast Galactus, and actually he would still block it, and you'd feel really God damn out. it. That's so but, but yeah, two so stars, then, binary system. So you're so you're attacking with a weapon. You have specialization in. So it's a two column shift, but he has agility, uh, and he has the acrobatics feet. So he's bringing you down four column shifts, and but you still manage to hit him anyway. But his body armor absorbs it all. Yeah, so if right. you feel like you're having an aneurysm right now, so, imagine. <laughs> and, and, and that is, so that is the one axis of complexity, and that just the resolution gets very, very, you can call it crunchy, but it gets muddy. At the same time, it lets you, once you get a handle on it, it lets you do all this cool stuff, but it is a learning curve. It's not, this is a game from the 90s, almost what you might consider like a second generation role-playing game, you know, like second or third, it's it's early. Whereas I don't know what generation we're in now, we're in at least the fifth generation of D&D, maybe we're in the sixth or seventh generation of role-playing game ideas. The stuff you get today is much more polished, easier to learn, easier to pick up. So there is that. The other thing is that the system's doing so many things and they all work a little differently. So if you're a character who has like fire powers, you're looking at a totally different set of mechanics than if you have magic powers, which by the way, getting your magic is like Doctor Strange. You need to make friends and be popular with extra planner beings who do the thing you're asking them to do. So you have to make a popularity role to do your magic. It's crazy. And then like my character, character technocrat invent stuff which is a whole different set of mechanics that we're like 10 weeks in and still haven't figured out like, <laughs> i mean we're just still house rolling this stuff away this could be like dm's like i'm like dm uh can i do this thing it'd be cool can i do it and dm's like um sure go ahead yeah that's pretty much how we're doing this stuff so that is the downside of the of marvel superhero role-playing it is cool you get the whole universe people have done a lot of work on the back end on it so you get to benefit from that learning curve through the roof it's one of the yeah. hardest systems I've tried to learn. I mean, I've tried to learn a bunch of systems. I will say that about it. And that's why I chose a character who got all of his powers up front, nothing to unlock, and he punches things. 
Yeah, and I mean, like I've I've been looking at that kind of this, like this game since I was a kid. So I'm bringing all of this additional like understanding. If I opened up these rule books today, having never seen it, I don't even know what the hell I'd be looking at. I, I don't know if I would even understand it. And it's, it speaks to the need for, and, and there are there there are more superhero role playing games coming out. There is a Tony you just shared, and I think 2022 we have a DC one. Is it a Marvel one coming out? It's a Marvel one. There's yeah. a new Marvel one coming out. So that's on another system. Was it like a Shift Six or something? I don't even know the name of that. Like I've never heard of the system. That's on. So that's on a different system. I, like I, I am not there yet. <laughs> Yeah, we are. I mean, and we talked about, you know, Capes and Crooks coming out for 5e. That's going to be pretty cool. And I think that'll be might be a neat way to do this sort of thing where you don't need to worry about learning a bunch of different rules. I don't know if anyone else is doing a 5e system. There is a bunch of 5e compatible stuff out there. But yeah, just throw throw that out there. If you're getting into the Marvel superhero role playing game, keep in mind, this is a 1990s TSR product. And it is you are you are going back into a different more complicated role-playing era. Still kind of yeah, cool. Still, still, cool. I still like it. Like, I like getting into that role-playing era, but it is, uh, yeah, you're going in the deep end. <laughs> there, 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 were no, uh, there were no water wings in the 90s RPG scene. I'll say that. True. Very true. When you're running a superhero role-playing game, what are you trying to do to capture that superhero feel versus a fantasy feel or a sci-fi feel? I feel that the enhanced powers these characters has needs the flavor text. I've said this in D&D where when that rogue busts that 57 point sneak attack, that needs to be a cinematic moment. I mean, did you shoot that guy in one ear and not the other? Was there nine ricochets or did you shoot him in the arm? And he's like, ah, I'm dead. He fell over. We need to know (laughs) this stuff. Someone pointed out, yes, not every attack is a story, but in comparison to where you have a, a character who has unearthly strength, so you have class 100 strength, and they kick a person who has vastly lower strength, they're going to go flying. Or they get hit, you're going to dig a trench. It depends what's <laughs> happening. It depends on the situation. Well, it's a very different fantasy that you are playing out. Mm. Uh, just like, how would someone play Call of Cthulhu over D&D or over any other game? So I will actually reference, because it actually just came out. I just listened to it. Matt Colville just did a little video that, you know, that he puts out there on game design. His, like, in essence, his process for game design. He talked about guns, guns in D&D, right? Should they be there? How would I put those in there? Let's kind of, and it's a cool video, but he makes one good point, And I think it fits here, which is you have to define your fantasy first. So... Like he's talking about guns within the within a fantasy world, but define your fantasy. So if you're attempting to create a super heroic comic book level, you know, Cap and, and Iron Man and stuff, you can do that with D&D. You can do that with a lot of systems, but there are ways in which that can be bigger cinematically, you know? And I think that's where something like, like a Marvel or something really starts to shine is it takes it away from some of the other stuff. But if you're playing Lord of the Rings, well, now I don't want to play that system because it makes no sense because I need to have characters who are weaker at things or who need to hide from the Nazgul or something like Mm -hmm. that. So I think one of the is defining your fantasy. And then we've said this before, and then finding a system that supports that, that you don't have to shoehorn it in, but that supports it in a way. So then what is the fantasy you're you're defining in a superhero game? Like what are the hallmarks of that? Comics, man, just like a comic. And that's like we've talked about uh, every one of these sessions. And even if you go back to the old mods that they had released with the game, 
uh, they all read like comic books to the point where it's chapter one, chapter two, <laughs> right? And now the heroes do this, and now they do this. And it doesn't have to be that 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 uh, railroaded or something. Um, as much as Tony might like that, maybe I don't know. But uh, get on the train. It, yeah, it's <laughs> it's very much about recreating what happens in a comic, and we have kind of done that in each of the sessions of this cosmic campaign. They all feel like one issue to the point where Chris did the whole thing where he got inspired and sent out the little. I shared the one on our social. Yeah. I, I love that actually. <laughs> in the little uh, episodes, you know, issue one and all this kind of stuff, and it's it has that feel to it. It's they are quicker bites that we've noticed. We go through a a, game, a normal game session and we feel much more beginning, middle, and end, which I know Tony likes. You know that idea of the session itself is also encapsulated with one whole story uh, that fits into the larger one, and I think we've been able to accomplish that much easier. Than with some of the other other open-ended campaigns. Why do you think that is? D and D, especially if you're using a product that's produced, you're doing exploratory. Like for example, in uh, Dave's game, we're we're going through the Amber Temple. Uh, we're in Woodstock. We're exploring a certain area of the forest, and we're we're moving around. That your maps here, and we're checking it out. And you've got an encounter here, and we're gonna come across that. That's not how Marvel operates. Yes, it has maps. Am I a fan of maps? romantically perhaps but i mean if I'm, I'm i'm burning time making maps oh my god my ink's wet on my story at game day like every time like no i, I just we, we had a you know um i did mine primarily cinematically i did create uh, visual aids for it but um no thank you but yeah it allows me to move the story along and say you know you're here and you're there and i kind of drew my own notes and it changed the tempo and as far as cinematically, one final point of that is, you know, when like you, uh, a warrior like, ha ha, I've, I've had a lethal hit on an ogre. I eviscerated him. It's fantastic. My ca character in the Marvel game punched the head off a sentinel. Like cinematically, like that was really, you know, I would I would love to see the panel for that. <laughs> I think even mechanically, uh, there is a very specific difference as to why that is, though, too, because let's take the Marvel campaign that we're doing, and Curse of Strahd. Now, in the Marvel campaign, we came in guns blazing from day one. We were all super powerful. We became more powerful because Chris upped some of our stuff, right? Because we got certain gifts and stuff. Uh, because we are going against, we're going against people like the elders of the universe and fucking Galactus shows up. You know, I mean, big, big voice, right? Literally, so, Galactus showed but, up in the first adventure. <laughs> yeah, literally. We didn't fight yeah, I think it was, I think it was session two. I think it was, was session down. two, right? Um, but there is no difference, really, between day one session and day 20 session for uh, the the for shit, the super high-intensity team, right? There's yeah, no difference. Also, this, this is also our most puerile group. We have the shit, the super yeah. high intensity team. They ride around in the dick ship. The <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But from session one and session twenty, we could in essence fight the same villains, and and we could still hold uh, hold our own. In Curse of Strahd, what's one of the first things that most DMs who are going to run that mod do? What do I do when my players want to go see Strahd at level three? Right. Because at level three, Strahd eats your nuts like Kobayashi beef. Right. At level 12, 
Well, now you guys roll it in with all of, by the way, audience, all of the dark powers and dark gifts they all accepted as an entire party, right? Plus all of the leveling, right? So you're level 12 with all this extra stuff dripping with magic items. Okay, not dripping, but you have some magic items. <laughs> and now you're going to fight Strahd. That's a way different game. So I think even mechanically within how the system works with the characters, uh, changes how you can go episodically in that way. And it does seem like that's one of the big things is, you know, in a fantasy, in your typical D&D game, you have this progression in the Marvel game in superhero games. You're not really progressing power wise in the same way. There is progression, mm. but it's much it's 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 smaller and more specific to what do you learn rather than just you're getting better and bigger and better every level. That's yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah. I mean, Captain America, as you know, Dave's point has been pretty static in his abilities, you know, beginning to end. They, they may have tweaked some things, but I mean, that's really about moving the story. There's other things that happen in there that the character that there was a couple of concerns about the system I had coming into it. One was the character advancement. And I was concerned that my players and I mean, again, I'm very interested to see how Capes and Crooks feels this probably right along the terms of 5e, but the advancement will be inherently different that they wouldn't be in, in the Marvel system. The players wouldn't be fond of the slow advancement. That was a concern of mine. That and how they handle murder. Somebody dies, the shit hits the fan in that system. It, it's like catastrophic. Like, oh my God, you killed Dr. Doom. You're welcome. No, you can't kill Dr. Doom. And I would never play that as a judge, well, by the way. That, for, for all you judges who are listening, you're going to strangle me for saying that. I didn't, I'm not. I won't do it. That is one of the things that's different here is that in, obviously, D&D, fantasy role players are famous for being murder hobos and murdering their way through as much as they can. In in, in superhero role playing, especially in the, in the games we're playing, if you kill someone, you don't get karma. And karma is effectively XP. So if you defeat the adventure, but you kill the bad guy, you are not let you're you're not getting rewards out of that game. Well, you're, you're not a hero at this point, yeah. right? You're exactly you're not a hero. Yeah. Again, Heroes define your fantasy. Define the fantasy you're playing, and then you know the system should support that fantasy, you know, in its mechanics I, and everything else. I don't know. People who uh, have played the system for a significant period of time may disagree with me on that, but you know what? I read a comic where Captain America murdered Norman Osborn. You know why? Because he had it coming. And that's just the bottom line <laughs> truth. Captain Norman Osborn in this panel, in this story, I forget the actual particulars of it. He impersonated Tony Stark, infiltrated the ranks, and pulled off this horrible stunt. And he's like, aha, you're welcome. I did this thing, and this is great. And Captain America whips out a gun and starts trying to shoot him. He's in Iron Man suit. He's like, you're going to have to do better than that. And then he cuts him across his neck with a shield. And he's like, how do you like that? And he dies. Captain yeah. America and Cap could have easily Cap could have easily lost all his karma at that point and then rebuilt it. Yeah, that's, that's still happened. completely yeah. within the mechanics. And, I, and, I, and wow. I guess the kind of as a storytelling beat, I kind of like that because it's like, all right, if you feel this person absolutely must die, you can do it. No one's stopping you. You're just going to lose all your karma. Yeah, you're yeah. Just, you're just lose the It's the Kal El and uh, General Zod at the end, right? You know, he finally just had to crack the neck. I mean, it could have done that maybe like 17 buildings ago, but yeah, it's cool, man. <laughs> I got you had to work up to it. I understand. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a, there's a whole debate surrounding that. Like, maybe we need to focus on. This. Yeah, maybe we need to focus on better movies for our superhero analogies. Not the movie where his dad literally said, you should hide and not save every, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little dark. A little dark. 
I mean, for a character who's pretty much defined by, okay, well, here, here's how a superhero turns out if he has good parents. Yeah, they, they kind of took that and flipped the list Here's how your super Here's how your Superman turns out if his dad is afraid of the world. I <laughs> still will say I thought I really enjoyed uh, Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent. I will, I will absolutely stand behind him. I actually, I liked all the actors, and I think I think they cast great actors for every one of those parts. The only thing I didn't like was the writing. I think yeah. I, to, to me, I, I have issues with the writing. And, you know, I've never written a script, but I feel like, you know, they're obvious enough that you can call them out on this. I think there are problems with the writing in a lot of the DCU stuff. Yeah. And, and with that said, when I'm doing a superhero game, I really want my story to be airtight exactly for that reason. And I've said this before in the podcast, you come over and you watch the superhero movie. And you're like, oh, my God, this cast of characters is amazing. These characters are amazing. I can't wait to see this. And then the story is meh. And you're like, that was like my like my original take on the first version of the Justice League. And I'm like, all right, well, like, well, it wasn't godforsakenly bad, but I sure wasn't in love with it. Like I wasn't like buying posters and putting them on my walls of the house. I mean, no, Tone, I think I would. I would kind of, I think I, I understand where you're going with that, and I would agree to a point, too. I think that you definitely coming into something like this, uh, in the same way, Thorne, I think you would say with Cthulhu, because it's similar, because you're dealing more with the story, that's where the, the game really starts to shine, because you don't have toy chest in the same way. So you have your characters, your role-play, and your story. The story needs to be there, and it needs to have those elements, especially if it's a mystery or... You know, if the True. like we're going after the Cthulhu mythos, right? But let's say it's a street level campaign and you're in Hell's Kitchen and it's going to be like the Kingpin and other people like that. That has to have those machinations and you have to have a lot of that stuff. You, it, I, I think it's a little harder to improv through yours, improv your way through something like that. Well, you, you know, know, that's that's a great point. It dovetails to the next thing I wanted to get to, which is from the point of view of putting together your campaign and your and your adventures, your stories. What are you trying to do there? Like, and I think you guys just made half the point already, right? It's like, okay, in D&D, there's a lot of exploration. Even if 5e isn't, as we've talked about, isn't the best exploration system they've had, D&D has the implication that, okay, you have a fantasy world to explore, and part of the adventure is you exploring that world. In the yeah. superhero role-playing games, in a superhero, you know, any kind of superhero role-playing game, it's more focused on you have to go be the hero and save the day, so get moving, chop, chop. Yeah. How do you guys, I mean, so so when you're putting together that campaign and that adventure, what are you trying to do? And like, like, like what are the points you're trying to make sure to hit? What, you know, how do you, how do you do that? Well, a good hero is defined by the villain, you know, the rogues gallery, as DM Dave has said. And uh, that is usually, a, for me, a fun point. Like in D&D, I'm like, oh, what treasure do I want to give these guys? That's fun. <laughs> oh, what villain is going to come down there and punch them in the face? I want this villain to roll in. And have everyone go, oh, shit, I should have made better life decisions. Like, that is a fun moment for me as someone who is running the game. Not necessarily because they can't yeah. handle the villain. Like, they're all going to get TPK'd immediately. But this is – one of the problems we have in the Cosmic Campaign is, in all fairness, is we can punch our way through a lot of situations. So when I was doing my turn of writing it, I wanted to intentionally put in different things you couldn't do that with. I'm like, here's a moral dilemma. Go. You know, here, you know, you need to race here, but there's reasons why you can't get there in time. Go. And, you know, then there's a. <laughs> I, 
I mean, the technocrat will try to science his way out of those things as much as he can, but technocrat basically tries to yeah. be kind of data from Star from Star Trek. It's like, okay, when you need when you need the when you need the techno babble solution, here's the character. Oh yeah, no, he's absolutely the rocket raccoon of our Guardians of the Galaxy. He and like he's built out that way too. And yeah. like I absolutely feel for Chris every session when he's having to deal with these ludicrously powered players who kind of know how to like think their way through problems and stuff and he's having to field these fucking questions <laughs> but that's one of the things like i um it, like my thought like i'm either going to be doing a one shot or even possibly a longer running thing though maybe open-ended uh, but, but i wanted to bring it to the street level one because my the 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 adventure I had originally written uh, way back that I took some people through kind of dealt with like Hell's Kitchen and and yeah. you know Kingpin and all this kind of stuff and I dug that I think I was probably just watching a lot of Netflix Daredevil at the time so <laughs> I think that's it's probably cool, infecting me. It's but, a cool it's a kind of a cool corner of the universe that kind of Marvel it's dark it you is. Know? And it changes things because, uh, you know, the characters are, they can't just punch their way through literally everything. And they have to deal with police and they, and other things and other machinations. There and are taxes. And taxes. Yeah, you can have and, the evil tax man in this game. <laughs> and you could, yeah, and you could also have that, hey, you're a freelance photographer, Peter Parker, go make some, a living because Aunt May is about to be fucking evicted. What are you going to do? You know? But to bring it down to the street and to have um, a lot of those types of machinations playing out, whether it's it's gangland stuff, whether it's, you know, things on that level, you know, and I think that's kind of fun to play with, too. That really does have a really nice range. So we're talking about character points and how they break down. About a 200-point character would be, I would say, the show Arrow. All those characters were very real, yeah. very gritty. Most of them were based in martial arts real magic or mutant powers were actually rare to very rare. And when they had these characters had these powers, they were minor and it gave them a huge advantage over these other characters like Deathstroke. Well, he actually is like the angel of death. He's a bad example, but um, he wasn't like the thing. Needless to say, like, you know, Ollie wasn't fighting a guy who could pick up cars and one hand chuck them at him at 300 to like 350 in that range, maybe 400, we're talking the X-Men. But you could do like a 300, maybe the Defenders, then up to the X-Men, bottom to top of that range. Then you gotta get into the Avengers, more like 450, 500, and six is like four, also hanging out with the Silver Surfer, who's hanging out with Beta Ray Bill, and the Gladiator, and all these other yeah. guys, the real and the high... And shit, and, shit and shit, shit's there. <laughs> I will say I'm gonna call it out because someone might call us out on it. I did completely lift that from uh, it was a, it was a critical role thing from before they even got on air. They used to call themselves the super high intensity team, and they changed it because they were going live with things. And I said, this is our home game. We're taking it, and it went from there. Everything else we did was We're completely gonna get original. We're going to sued, you fool. Everything it, else was completely original. The it dick, really did set the tone for the game, though. It, it, it did. <laughs> I thought it was a really nice bar, like just a really nice basement that we could build upon, you know? Yeah, hey, there you go. There you go. Starting with the sewer. Starting with the sewer. <laughs> really, each of those tiers is a vast different dimension of 
what takes place. Like Dave was saying, you know, in the Arrow and Daredevil realm, you're worried about the police. You're worried about a bunch of guys get out of a couple of cars with guns. Then when you're in the the X-Men range, all right, here comes some Sentinels. That is like your real formidable, that's like your adult dragon kind of level challenge. Then you get up to the Avengers, then you're dealing with citywide attacks from aliens and things like that and so forth and so yeah. on. But each of these tiers is it, it, like very much like D&D in that respect, utterly different. I was just going to say exactly that. It's the tiers of play. So it's like, think of it like you're running a one shot for a fifth level team, a 10th, a 15th, and a 20th level team. And that's how you you would approach it differently in those same ways. Except they're kind of stuck at that level of power, and they don't necessarily go from 15th to 20th. You know? Not with me as a judge. <laughs> but that, that brings me back to kind of what I was asking, though. So so how do you go about building those adventures and those campaigns? You, Tony, you mentioned you, you want to have a really great villain. Someone who makes the, team, the, 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 the hero stop and go, oh, shit, what have we done? But then, yeah, I mean, what, what, are you, what are you trying to do when you're building that adventure? What are you aiming for? Well, I guess we first read defining it where it lands. If we're doing a street level thing, then perhaps I would deal with character origins, how these guys became heroes. I think that would be interesting and start them out testing their powers, fighting lower level threats, working together as a team and trying to make their niche. And then I could start introducing the more formidable opponents then they start to realize that okay so we're dealing with these gangs maybe someone's organizing these gangs or maybe these gangs moved over because a really powerful force moved into town and pushed them all out and now they're kind of in our backyard and let it like escalate and grow as it would in the tier system just gradually what about you Dave? yeah i went i went uh two different ways so i wrote a the, the one I had, which was called Hell Hath No Fury, because um, it was based in Hell's Kitchen. And it also uh, featured the Hellfire Club. So I thought it was a fun play on words. And I full out built it like an old Marvel mod. So I literally had, you know, seven, eight chapters. Each one was, in essence, a set of scenario and encounters um, that the heroes would then come upon, depending on what they were doing. And I had some open ended ideas, but I had. Who's the villain? What are they trying to do? Who are they working with? Who's the the red herring? Who's the cat's paw? All of these kind of things. With the one I'm thinking of now, which in essence I'm thinking I'll just kind of play as this happened after uh, the events of that, but then also after the events of some of our cosmic campaign to kind of pull it together uh, so that, like, you know, when we visited New York and we were fighting with uh, Doctor Strange and Professor X to take away, you know, uh, we were in essence playing through the movie They Live. What was happening in the streets at that time? What happens after something like that occurs? You know, like in Daredevil, they talk about the incident and that's the Avengers movie. Right. But now they're dealing with, OK, well, now we have to deal with all this fucking fallout. You know, how does that affect the day-to-day lives of New Yorkers? And that's kind of how I'm setting it up. But I'm taking a lot of what I've learned in the lab, as we've talked about, and applying it. So I have a general idea of where I could take it, but it's very small in the beginning. And I want to see how the players interact with the world and then adjust it accordingly, as opposed to, you know, putting them on the rails and saying, well, this has to be where the adventure goes 
let's see where the adventure goes, you know, so really doing the planning a session at a time idea. Is there anything that you feel like you're specifically doing differently when you're building the superhero role playing versus the, you know, D&D games? I think that there, of course, there's the the core formula of how I like to construct my beginning to end sessions stands. Um, that all is, uh, is static. And but you do have different things to draw from. Mm. So, you know, I'm not, you know, but then again, I can still do traps. Why not? <laughs> I still I still like to do diversity in terms of rewards. I think that's interesting. You know, in my one game, you guys found a meteor. OK, you know, no, it's not a chest full of, you know, electrium. But here's a meteor and it's made of class 1000 material. You're going to dig it out. Great. You're losing time. But now you have it. Now you have this really precious object. You could craft something out of when you get around to it. Honestly, Despite the feel of the game itself is dramatically different, the flow and its construction isn't all that different. So it's just basically, what are you trying to add then that makes it feel superhero-y? Well, of course, you're going to be doing something that's very epic. Not to say that you can't do that in D&D, but I've, I've also said before, when I'm... My, when my players are coming up through the levels, I'm slow. I, subconsciously, I'm turning them into superheroes. And now you guys are superheroes. That's <laughs> the difference. It's almost like a public versus private kind of thing. Like D&D adventurers are going off into the unknown to, to explore secret hidden crypts. Whereas superhero superheroes, I'm not just superhero, superhero adventurers, but just superheroes are saving the world right in front of Aunt May's TV screen. Well, let, let, let me build on that point. The public is a one facet of this that's vastly different. So, for sure. example, you know, you fight a bunch of guys, you save a village, you're like, yay, have some mutton. I do, like, I do have a mechanic behind the scenes where I had a, a hidden popularity rank, which you weren't aware of, which gave you a chance of being a, being noticed by people in other places because of your heroics in uh, certain locations. In Marvel, that's enormous, especially if you're playing in modern times where information flows incredibly fast. They're like, oh, my God, you guys, you know, you were in um, you were in Florida and you, you uh, stopped that bank robbery. That was incredible. And those aliens, they came to that portal and you, you took them down. You you get that renown. Like that's all, like everything you do is on the table. What do you think, I man? would say uh, I would say. The, the one thing I did say, which was story, uh, similarly to like Call of Cthulhu or something, especially because a lot of these things, you're building a level of a mystery, right? Because something is happening. You need to figure it out to find the bad guy to beat him up, take him to jail, whatever. But your story needs to be tight in a way that it you can at least not that it all has to be pre-planned and pre-written, but it has to be tight so it goes together so you don't have a, a bunch of George Lucas moments, right? Where things just like they just you fall through gigantic holes in the plot. Um, one of right. the things that you that you can do, and I've said this about the Pathfinder world, uh, because they had such a massive wiki for their stuff that I could just troll on. There is literally no bigger universe I think out there than the Marvel universe. The thing is massive in terms of history and people and places and events and you can take from all of that stuff and one of the cool things i think for this game especially if you're fans of comics or the movies or whatever 
is the ability to be playing in the same world as these people, like Nick Fury or Captain America or Doctor Strange or whatever it might be. So the ability to utilize the world and exploit it to to tell an even cooler story. Uh, I will say with this type of game, I do spend a little more time trying to figure out uh, some encounters because if people think the CR system has problems, let me introduce you to Marvel and their complete lack of anything that's balanced with <laughs> villains and heroes. Because holy shit, like, so, like, it doesn't make, like, I don't even know what to look at to be like, that's an appropriate villain. Like, I don't even know. Like, you'll, I'll either, it'll be super easy or you'll all die. I'm not sure exactly where well it's going to go. Yes. So. Wait until you yeah. see that bill and I dug up for the second session I'm running. That's all I got to say. One of the coolest things about playing the superhero role-playing games is that meeting all the famous characters. Like, because we've met, I mean, in, in a D&D game, okay, maybe maybe your DM pops in Raceland. Maybe your DM pops, you probably pop in, like, the famous, some of the famous guys. Black Stash or Yeah, yeah. Morning and something. Maybe yeah. One, you get one or two, a small handful, just, just, to, just to spice things up. get a big and, B. Yeah, but in the superhero role-playing game, I mean, the DM, right out, right out the bat, we wound up meeting Awatu, and who was the other one? Like, two of the, what, what are they called? Eternals or... Uh, Watcher. Well, Awatu oh, was yeah, the Watcher. We, yeah, we, went, the we met the Kree and the Skrulls. And what was it, the, the Collector? Met, was that the other guy there? No, we fucking, we fought Ego. We literally we landed Ego. on Ego, the living planet, session one, and then yeah, we blew that, up. And it, so and then was, we met the Grandmaster after they, we blew okay, up. Right. So the Grandmaster, Owatu uh, the Watcher, uh, we've met the rest of the Grand... What, what are they? The Immortals that the Grandmaster's a part of? Or what are they the called? Elder, we met all of them. El the Elders of the Universe. Yeah, we elders. met all the Elders of the Universe. We met. We fought Galactus. Uh, well, we didn't no, fight... We, 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 actually, we met him. And we, he like, did a wave in the background. He's like, fuck you guys. I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our very charismatic... Uh, you know... Uh, um, uh, Sirens Whisper character, yes. yeah. Charm Galactus. She kept she she kept them happy with us while we fought the elders of the universe. Uh, no. no, I really feel like Galactus was a red herring for that whole encounter, just to make you tighten your butthole a little bit. I think the real encounter was always the elders. I think. It, it, and, we, and, and I gotta tell you, if you, just for a ha ha. If you want to like ever take a sh poke at Galactus, there are super unimaginably powerful characters. It'll be like a Godzilla versus Bambi moment. I'm gonna tell <laughs> yeah. you right now. That'll be him hitting us and us hitting the floor, and that'll be it. I mean, Technocrat does guns, high tech, highly explosive guns, and I don't think there's a gun big enough to shoot down Galactus. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I punch, mean, maybe if we if we tie in Felix into the planet. Yeah. And maybe if we tie in some Star Wars, we can get like some Star Killer base action and drain a star. Maybe that could hurt Galactus. Right now seem, you're thinking. Yeah, he, he does seem. Well, the, the, I got to play Technocrat. This is the plan Technocrat comes up with. Just so you know, whenever this does happen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's working on it. He's working on it. We're going full. But yeah, I think order. in the end, uh, when you're if you're building a superhero game, uh, I think your best bet is to think about it like comics. Think about it in those bite-sized pieces. So many things happen. Like, it's this, 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 this. That's the end of the issue, and you've now introduced your next person. And you can do that in any game, but I think with superhero games, that's it fits that more, uh, especially in something like Marvel, where your encounters 
could literally you roll initiative and not everyone has even gone before the encounter is over because you just took the person out, you know, cap through the shield and knock the dude out. And that was the end, right? Nobody else had to do anything. That's so, happened more than once. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can't, you, you know, you're not going to have these two hour slog fights like we do a lot of times in, in, in D and D, you know, no, that's not really, and you're absolutely right. It's difficult to gauge how some of those battles go and not like cinematically. I'm like, aha, it's time for you to rot my villain. He'll fight you solo. Oh, that guy uh, is going to be like, have a concussion. <laughs> it's going to be over. Like he's getting hit from every side. It's going to be a train wreck. Like I dropped out the uh, forgotten, the, um, the fallen one. You, you fall that counter. I'm like, this guy's tough as nails. And he went down. He was out in a couple. He fought for a couple rounds, but he went down. He did destroy our tank, and, and then we picked up the cannon and shot him with the cannon a couple times, and uh, that destroyed <laughs> that, that that knocked him out. Got a couple good rolls. Some karma was spent. That's, karma was definitely that's spent. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that cannon might be a little overpowered. Uh, a, 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 a little overpowered loot that was spread around earlier in the in the campaign. When you're talking about building these kind of comic book adventures, is it all Marvel for you guys, or do you go into like, I mean, DC, Image, Dark Horse, any other, like any other kinds of comic universes you're thinking about pulling in? I've absolutely thought about that, and I have to tell you, you're opening a dangerous can of worms with that because there are <laughs> write-ups for everything. Because where am I drawing the line? You want to be fighting some Viltrumites? How about Skeletor? I mean, where am I saying, no, I'm not using this material? Look out, here comes Megatron. It really depends on your tolerance of what you're prepared to let into your universe. I would say DC stuff can make its way in, and Chris and I have, you know, on the DL kicked that around. But DC has a higher power curve than even what we're doing in Marvel. Honestly. So if you guys really ever think that you are the bomb, you are the absolute coolest guys on the block, I will move, like, my my next part of the game is I'm just going to shift you over to DC, and you can start fighting that obnoxious Doomsday clone who happens to be running around, you know, Metropolis. <laughs> the, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, Tony is right in that way, because there are write-ups there. You can find all the DC Universe people. You can find... Uh, Chi Town people, London London Comics, and all this, or you could literally just do these write-ups yourself once you understand the system. I will say there was the DC Megs system, M-E-G-S system, which I played a little bit when I was a kid, but I'm by no means an authority. But they did have a system that allowed the wild swings of power that you would find in DC to make a little more sense. So where someone like a Superman and a Batman could be on the same field, uh, they're not equally good at the same things, but the way they built that system kind of played to that idea of these gods among men I thing that DC kind of always had where Marvel doesn't. But no, you can literally do anything. You can have, like Capes and Crooks has created their their whole entire world that you can now play in, or yourself, you know, or some of the old, uh, what was the old uh, MMORPG that came out? It was the uh, Champions, I think it was called. Yeah. DC Champions? or I mean, there was one, yeah. DC Universe Online. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a, it was its own thing, but they created a city and you created a hero in it. So you could make a completely homebrewed superhero campaign. I think for for Tony and I and and Chris obviously 
we just, you know, the Marvel thing, it just plays itself. And it, the system is already built for it. So it, it kind of calls to that. But but no, well, you, you can, you can, you can literally bring, anything. You, you can bring characters from any system into any superhero game, too. I anything. mean, you can, yeah, cause you, you can do the opposite there, too. You can, you know, once you're in a superhero system, you can recreate any hero you've got, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's what we're doing right now. We brought the super high-intensity team into the Marvel Universe. It's our Marvel Universe, but... That's invented characters that we put together, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. You can do whatever you can do in D&D in terms of building a campaign and a world and a universe in any system whatsoever. And you, yeah, I got to tell you, when I'm looking at, Dave, your, your, your uh, kind of more street-level system, the characters I keep thinking about are more like uh, Constantine from, uh, from Vertigo, from DC's love, Vertigo. Love Constantine. Yeah, more. But, I but love it's the like, guy they had. Um, I love the guy they got on the TV show Constantine to play him. Yeah. I thought he really captured the character. You that know, TV, that TV show was awesome, and like most yeah. awesome TV shows, it was canceled after one season. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, but he. I thought he really captured that character. He made appearances yeah. in Arrow, though. But yes, he did. He also made, he actually he's a regular on I think the Heroes of Tomorrow. Like he joined tomorrow, one of the yeah. other, yeah. He he is Constantine on one of the other shows, like yeah. so. I think I think it's Heroes of Tomorrow or Legends of Tomorrow. Legends who, of tomorrow. Um, yeah, and he literally joined the joined as a as a regular member for a while. So you can yeah. catch him there, and that's one of the reasons I want to catch up on this universe. Like we watched Arrow for a while, and we did not go like like once it started spinning off, we didn't go very deep. Like we all caught like one <laughs> season of Supergirl, I think, and then it's like now it's like all right, you've got like ten years. To catch up on. <laughs> Good luck. To, to, yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to do that. <laughs> it looks I awesome. Would, uh, I would recommend everyone to try to catch their, uh, I think it was like a five-episode uh, massive crossover event of yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. That was super cool. Uh, that was excellent. TV. The Perhaps, budget you know, they created for TV was ludicrous. Sounds really cool. Yeah, Perhaps great. one day, you know, in my dotage, when I have time, I will go back and watch all of Well, that was just five. That was five episodes you could catch that on. It was one whole story. It's like a big Avengers-type story, you know? Yeah. It really so was. I, they, they wrapped that up very nicely. I mean, so, like, if listeners are wondering why are Dave and Tony doing most of the talking years, because I do read comics, but not <laughs> like this. <laughs> I, I kind of pick up collections later, and I'm like, all right, well, they say that they they say Secret Wars was pretty great. Hey, yeah, that was pretty great. Okay, I read it. Oh, like, oh my right God, Secret Wars was awesome. It was fantastic. <laughs> but and I tend to read more like Vertigo and more like kind of Hellboy right. and more of the kind of the. Honestly, I tend to read comics that are a little bit more like a normal fantasy, kind of a fantasy world kind of thing. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, that that was a whole shift in it too. Yeah. That was like they brought in darker themes and more mature stuff, more character development. Absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite like comic type genres is like you had out of Vertigo, you had of course Sandman, and then spun off of Sandman were Lucifer and Constantine, and uh, what was the other one with the Wizard? I forget what the I forget what the other one was called, but basically they spun off these the, these different books from characters that were introduced in Sandman, and they're all kind of in this kind of supernatural occulty kind of corner of the DC universe. I like that, but it is super. That's awesome. It, it is tiny I, within the wider world. I have That's to tell awesome. you, Invincible. I, we can't have an episode without discussing that a little bit because oh, that yeah. really freaking knocked it out of the. Park. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't. got to catch up. I, I, I have to catch Eight up. episodes long. You'll thank us later. Watch that. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it'll be ruined though with all of the massive amount of memes I'm seeing of Invincible everywhere right now. So. Thanks, Kate. Thanks. 
There is a there is a very common spoiler out there in the memeiverse. I mean, you know, yeah. where, where Dave is operating daily to bring you all the freshest role playing memes on our on, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the memes. All memes. Speaking the language of our people. <laughs> well, all right. So, guys, we've been going on about superhero role playing for a little bit. It's time to get to some final thoughts. So, you know, what do you want to leave our listeners with? They're thinking about doing a superhero role playing game, and you know, what would you tell them? You know, what should they lean into and maybe watch out for? I would lean into what tier, so to speak, they're landing in and really work out from those details. So that, like we said, if they're street level, then consider their threats. Who are their allies? Who are their enemies? What can you introduce? What are the things that are involved in their life at that point to make it more real? What kind of press are they getting? Who's looking at them? Are people talking about them? Are they considered a menace? These are all things they need to deal with. They're also dealing with your vigilantes. You know, you just can't bust into an apartment building and start <laughs> blasting your way around without a warrant. That actually, whether there's bad guys or not, that gets you on the bad side of the police. Arrow handled that fantastically. He was on their shit list for literally four seasons. It's totally yeah. like, hey, forget about it. It's fine. And they signed a vigilante law. But <laughs> did he eventually become mayor too? Didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I did not. It was. It time. went. Yeah, it, went, it took some real left turns. It was. <laughs> I, I was not a fan of that particular arc, uh, that aspect of that arc. But anyway, um, I would also make sure, though, because I have concerns with superhero stories where the story is usually choppy. And as David put it, very little, as George Lucas moments, make sure it, it's tight. Consider your character's powers, that they can't completely deflate what you're doing. Like, oh, my God, I gave this guy molecular manipulation and I just turned a skyscraper. Oh, I took down the support beams. Oh, well, you know, take it all in with a grain of salt and make your villain kick ass because you need some yeah. villain and villains to bring this all together. I mean, the villain's got to be as strong a character as your heroes. I, any any show that has an anticlimatically weak villain where they get in there, unless it's like that was the whole point. Like perhaps they had the sniveling villain had this incredible Darth Vader in front of him, then maybe. But I <laughs> I personally feel you need that climatic battle in some form at the end. Well, I mean, Buffy, not a superhero exactly, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a season where their villains were the, quote, triad, who were three geeks, who were just using their knowledge and ability <laughs> to build stuff to harass Buffy. And it is widely considered, I mean, the season ends super strong, but they're widely considered Buffy. the most disappointing villains in the <laughs> Buffyverse, if not all of TV. Like, she will they were her face in. Yeah. That was a mistake. Was, that, that, was, that was not a good That was, that was not a good generation story. thing. <laughs> That's next generation when they wanted the Ferengi to be the big bad villain and they realized right. that they turned out to be sniveling and they were like, oh shit, uh, Borg, Borg, we're gonna go with Borg. <laughs> you see, if you're gonna do yeah. the Ferengi as the big bad villain, you gotta have them buying shit. You know, you gotta have yeah, them using yeah. money to boss the Federation around, which the Federation didn't believe in, so, you know, it didn't really work. I feel as though like we need to like you know give a, a you know like a, a shout out to like Jeff Grubbs, the writer of the Marvel system since it, we talked a lot about Marvel. There's a lot of different systems, so it, it will change depending on the system. Like for instance, like we talked about Capes and Crooks is very 5e based, so you're going to be having leveling, and you can do a little bit more exploratory and build your characters up into these massive heroes. So that's going to be a little different than something like a Marvel system where you're coming in, as Tony said, front-loaded. So 
you don't have that. So define the fantasy that you're you're wanting to do. You know, if you're wanting to do, uh, you know, a street level gritty like uh, uh, Daredevil something or or it's DC dark where it's very Constantine and that type of thing. Whatever it is, define what you're doing and then find the system that's going to support that. For most of these, you're going to have to do a lot for the story, as we talked about. You're going to have this, so you don't have these massive plot holes. I don't think you can improv it as well, especially if you're going into an existing world, like let's say the Marvel Universe. If you're playing in a world like that, you have to do some of the front-loading homework to shore up how some of this stuff is going to make sense for yourself. And then my last point, if it is Marvel, like forget about balance, just, you know, (laughs) try to do something with it. Just crank it to 11 and let it ride. Who knows? You know, you'll either one shot or they're all dead. So yeah, either way. I mean, there's nothing more super heroic than taking out the villain with one shot. You got to say that, you know, maybe sometimes you come back and 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 you make up for it in the next battle. For me, for my final thoughts, I mean, the superhero role playing has been a lot of fun. I haven't DM'd it. I have played in it. It's been pretty, it's been pretty cool, but I will back up what you guys said. It is much tighter and much more cinematic. So there is, you know, we're not really exploring, nor do I really expect to be exploring. We've got to go save the day somewhere. And that is, I think to me, one of the real hallmarks of superhero role playing you're not necessarily just sticking around trying to make a name for yourself you're not just trying to grind levels you're not out looking for treasure you're there to save the day you know you're playing a hero who wants to save the day or you're playing a villain who wants to destroy the world but it's not grindy advancement style goals are usually working with it is world altering goals every time it is i'm saving the city or i'm failing to save the city and people get hurt as 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 a consequence it is not hey i got some xp in in a nifty locket so with that in mind i think you do want to do you know you want to more scene focused you know they're going here 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 they're going to know where to go they're going to get there they can approach it how they want but they're going to have the they're going to go to the location i have planned and do the thing i planned for them to do because they need to do that to save the day like it's not open-ended it's not self-directed like D would be it is much more a matter of okay we have to save the day the villain's got this thing going on and we got to go stop that thing which means we have to go to where the villain is we have to jump through the hoops and i think that is an aspect of superhero role playing that you probably want to lean into more you know the appeal is not Skyrim-y, I'm exploring this really cool fantasy world. This is their Final Fantasy, where I'm looking under every rock to find where that one piece of material might be just in this one corner of this dude's home. That's not superhero role-playing. Superhero role-playing is, we're on a clock, we gotta stop the bad stuff before it happens, and if we don't, we have failed to save the day, and people get hurt, and we lose karma. And I think and you want no leave- shawarma. Yeah, yeah. And, in the and end, no shawarma. Yeah, no shawarma. <laughs> no karma, no shawarma. There you go. <laughs> no karma, Great no box shawarma. right there. We're taking it. Oh, if only it had happened back in the 80s, they would have put it in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you want to keep that in mind with your superhero role playing. You know, make it make it epic. Make it uh, immediate. You know, make it make it something where you're going to zip through scene to scene and keep the players moving and guessing and flying along because you don't really want them stopping to explore. That's not what the theme's about. You know, that, that, that's that's my two cents on it. Coming to add it as a player. Also, it is pretty cool to be able to you know make anything from a from from from, from a techno armor you know tech, technological you know power suit kind of dude to a Constantine kind of sorcerer. The range of what you can do in a superhero game is really pretty cool. Batman to Superman. You know, it's uh it's neat, and I think that's something you also want to lean into. So uh, yeah, that's my two cents. 
guys, it's been great playing these games with you and great talking about them here today. Absolutely. Good stuff. And I want to say one more thank you to our sponsor, Capes and Crooks. Again, check that out at critacademy.com slash capes and crooks. And thank you all for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about anything you've heard here or want us to talk about in a future episode, please drop us a line. You can either send us an email at threewisedms at gmail.com. You can visit our website, threewisedms.com, and use the What's Your Problem field. Or you can talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're very active on all those channels. If you like what you're hearing, please smash that five-star rating button in the podcast platform. Give us a review. Share it with your friends. We've been growing really fast. We really appreciate all the support you've given us. So thank you again for the support for helping us make this podcast as good as it can be. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs.